a Latino restaurant, a Spanish restaurant, you, you won't find it here unless you go to the house of Julio and Cecilia Bonilla who come to this church. They're from El Salvador and they have, they, she can cook beautifully, Latino food. But we don't have that here. And there's so many, uh, there, there are a lot of conveniences here in Lloyd, but there's, there are a lot of things that are not present. Like somebody came up to me and said, Pastor John, I wish we had a Cineplex, a nice Cineplex, right? Don't you wish we had one? Yeah, me too. See, I come from a big city, and when I moved here, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is like the size of my condo. <laughs> you know, at least the population of it. Um, it's amazing how, how the Lord brought me here and brought us here. And so there may not be a lot of conveniences, and Lloydminster might not be popular, right? It's, it's not known all over the world. You see, I've traveled uh, many miles in different places, and every time I get asked, where are you from? I say Lloydminster, and they go, where? <laughs> Lloydminster, you don't know what that is? Somewhere in Mars, no, <laughs> but I, I always get that. Uh, Lloydminster, where is that? And, and there's this experience, I was at a car rental station in Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, I handed my ID, my license, to the lady there manning the booth, and she's like, ooh, Lloyd Minster, is that in Europe? <laughs> I was like, no, I wish. <laughs> but, um, but no, oh, Alberta, oh, Alberta. That sounds like it's in England or something. Is, no, you better go back to school, lady. Um, it's, it's not anywhere there, it's, it's just above you. Canada is just north of you. you Go back to school. Anyway, um, just a survey, a quick survey um, before we dive in to this study. Who among you here was born in the city and this region? Raise your hand. We got two, three, four. All right. Who among you here just moved here in the last 20 years? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. We have fewer people born and raised here than people, you know, we have more people uh, who, who just moved here than people who were born and raised here. And that amazes me. You see, you know, I, whether you were born here or you just moved here, I believe this to be true. God wants you here. According to Wikipedia, there are, and this is the exact number, 3,119,501 cities and towns all over the world. Did you know that? 3.1 million cities and towns all over the world. Of all the cities in the world, you are in Lloydminster, and some of you would go, oh yeah. No! God brought you here. You may have different reasons why you're here, but God brought you here. It's part of his divine plan that you are here. I was talking to a, an 11-year-old girl, and she said, I moved here when I was two. I was brought here by my family. And I, I was like, do you love the city? Oh, I can't even imagine living somewhere else. And she's sitting right in front of me. She loves the city. You see, that's our call too. God placed you here for a purpose. And not just the city, but this region. We have families coming to Mosaic Church from as far north as Marway. Did you know that? That's like, what, 40, 40 kilometers north? And we have families 
that come from as far south as Paradise Valley, closer to Wainwright. That's like what, 70 miles or 70 kilometers? Not that far, how, how far? 40. 40, oh, there you go, 40 and 40. Mar Wayne and Wainwright. I love calling that Wayne Wayne or Mar, Mar Wainwright. Anyway, so we have people coming from as far as those towns and, and hamlets. You see, this is a region that I believe God wants to bless through his people. But you first have to understand that you are here for a reason. God has a purpose for you here. God brought you here. In fact, God brought every person in the city and this region as part of his sovereign plan so that people can seek God and know Christ here. And who is he going to use for people to know who Jesus is? You and me. You and me. And here's what's, what we've been talking about over the last five weeks. God has a purpose for you and God has a calling for you. First is this. We've learned this during the first week of this Dominate series. God's purpose for you is to become part of His family. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. He wants for you to be a part of God's family, His family. That's why He sent Jesus to redeem you from the, the entanglements and entrapments of the enemy. Because the enemy tries to, tried to steal you from, from God. But He wants to redeem you back. That's why He sent Jesus. He wants you to be a part of His family. But you have a purpose. That's your purpose, right? And you have a calling. What is your calling? Your calling is to do this. To let others know that there is a God who wants for them to discover their purpose. There is a God who wants to call them back. He is calling you and me to call the rest of the world into His kingdom. Unless, unless you don't want anyone else, unless you are so selfish that you, you just want to enjoy God for yourself, you will not share the gospel with other people. But the thing is, we are called to let others know about this love. There is a God who loves us, and everybody has to know about it. That's God's will. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. Because a lot of people say, Pastor John, I know my purpose now, and I know my calling now, but and I want God to use me, but, but the problem is, I don't know how to reach them, and I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared to invite friends. I'm scared to tell people about my faith. So Acts chapter 18. Open your Bibles there. And it's a very long story, but we won't read it all. But we will go through this as best we can. We find here in Acts chapter 18 a very compelling story of St. Paul. The same guy who wrote Ephesians and many other books in the Bible. He has a compelling story here as to how he fulfilled the purpose and the calling of God in his life. He went to a place, a city called Corinth. Corinth. You see, when you read your Bibles, you find a book, a letter called Corinthians, right? First and second Corinthians. Those two letters were written to the church in Corinth. Now, here's, here's the story. Paul sensed that he needs to go to Corinth because his calling as a person is to bring the gospel to the Gentile world, to the non-Jews. And so it became his passion to go everywhere and anywhere to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person that comes across his path. So he felt called to Corinth. Now, despite the reputation of Corinth being the sin city of the first century, he still went. It was, it was known as a, 
a bad city, a notorious city. In fact, if you read through the book of First uh, and Second Corinthians, you will find how messed up those people are, even when they they had become Christians already. You see, getting drunk during communion and things like that. They, they were a problematic church, but Paul did not give up on them. His God has a purpose for each person in Christ. But Corinth, when he first went there, no church existed. Despite the notoriety of the city he went, he obeyed. You see, back in the old times, the Greeks had a name or a word that they used, which, is, which means a negative influence. And here's the word, Corinthianizo. Corinthianizo, that's a term that the Greeks invented to talk about or to refer to a bad influence that comes from the city of Corinth. So for example, you have a son who went to Corinth, and when that son comes back, the attitude has changed. A mother would say, oh, my son has been Corinthianized. Bad influence of Corinth. I was, I was in a train uh, not too long ago in Oregon, and there's a bumper sticker that I saw in the back of one car, and it says this, do not Californicate Oregon. Don't bring the California values into our state. Don't Californicate Lloyd Minster. Almost the same as Corinthianites. Don't bring your values here. You see, Corinth had a reputation of being, like I said, the sin city of the first century. But despite that, Paul pursued the people of Corinth. And, um, and here's what's amazing, amazing about Paul. Paul proceeded, and, and because he was Jew, he went to the synagogues, the places of worship where Jews gathered. And, and as we go through this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 18, I'd like for us to learn four lessons that we can get or we can take from the experience of Paul as we embrace and reclaim the city for Jesus. First lesson that we find in Paul's experience is this. If God called you to do something, do it passionately, and regularly. Do it passionately and regularly. Acts chapter 18 verses 4 to 5 says, Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He, he testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Every week, every Saturday morning, you will find Paul in the synagogue at Corinth preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling the world that they can only find salvation in Jesus. And according to the verses that we read, when his assistants Silas and Timothy came for, to assist him, he spent the rest of his time preaching to the rest of the city. So on Saturdays he went to the synagogue to preach, but the rest of his time he spent preaching and sharing the word with other people. What does that say? It has a lot to say about his passion and consistency. Passion and consistency. People who are most successful in sharing their faith in Jesus with people are people who have passion and consistency. The reason why they are successful in leading people to Jesus is because they have passion and they have consistency. Consistency is very important. 
There is power in passion, but there is also power in routine. Maybe the reason why you don't see a lot of fruit in your life is because you're not doing what God called you to do with passion and, and, and routine and, and, and consistency. God wants consistency from us. Lesson number two. Not everyone will believe what you say, but keep sharing anyway. Acts chapter 18 verse 6 says this, But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust off his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will, do, I will go preach to the Gentiles. You know what that means? Don't be disappointed when someone that you're trying to invite or someone that you're trying to share the gospel with says no to you. Don't be disappointed. The truth is, it's up to us to share the word of God. It's up to us to invite them. But it's up to them to receive. It's up to them to, to respond, right? So it's not your fault if they say no. But we learn here from Paul even if you don't say yes to Jesus, there are many other people that I can share the gospel with. I will not be deterred by a no. I will not be disappointed. So Paul said, fine, if you don't want to receive Jesus that I'm preaching to you, there are many other people that I can share the gospel with. Lesson number three. If you remain faithful, you will see results. And we've been talking about this since the beginning of January. No roots, no fruit. Faithfulness results to fruitfulness. We have talked about that. Acts chapter 18, verse 7 to 8 says, Then he left and went to the home of Titius Justice, a, a, a Gentile who worshipped God, and lived next door to the synagogue. So, let's cut it there. When people, the, the, the synagogue members, when the synagogue members said no to, to Paul, he went next door and shared the gospel with a Gentile family. And verse 8 says this. Crispus, that's a beautiful name, isn't it? Crispus, sounds delicious. <laughs> if you're going to have a baby soon, name that baby Crispus. Alright? He'll be walking and crackling at the same time. Anyway, um, Crispus. Crispus cream. Um, Alright, I'm Detroit. Anyway, so it says there, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were what? Baptized. Because Paul did not, de did not get deterred by the no of the Jews. He still went on. And what was the result? Families coming to faith in Jesus and getting baptized. See, so, so don't give up. Don't give up. Paul did not stop sharing the word. He remained faithful. He did not let one rejection deter him from doing his calling and his commitment to the process. See, passion plus commitment or consistency results to fruitfulness. Because passion and commitment put together is faithfulness. See, the family member, the friend, the classmate, the coworker, the neighbor that you are trying to share the gospel with could eventually come to Christ. Don't give up. And there's a story that I heard from this church. Um, some of you know R.J. Dasik. R.J. Dasik is one of our guitar players here. He's, he's the tallest in the group. He looks Korean, but he's not. He's a fake Korean. Um, 
Yeah, he's yeah. That's what he is. I walk. I, I talked to him earlier today. He's like, I'm I, yeah, I am a fake Korean. Anyway, he looks Korean, but he's not. He's Filipino. Um, but the story goes how he came to faith in Jesus was this. He was a high school dude who was happy-go-lucky. All he wanted to do was to have fun. But he had a friend in school who kept inviting him to church. Hey, RJ, would you like to come to church with me? No. The next day, hey, RJ, would you like to come to church with me? No. Hey, RJ, there are so many, so many people in my church today. Would you like to be a part of it? No. And so he just kept saying no until he was bugged and annoyed to the core. He said, okay, I'm going to church with you. <laughs> Fine, just to keep you quiet. He went. He came to know the Lord in his, and he has been a believer since. Why? Because of a friend who kept bugging him to come to church. He realized, this guy is genuine. This guy really loves me. Because this guy wants God's love to be infused in me. So don't give up. Don't give up. And I hear an amen from the people of God. Amen. amen. Alright, lesson number four. Rely on God for your protection and the result of your work. Rely on God. That's what Paul did. Acts chapter 18 verses 9 to 11 says this. It's beautiful. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision or a dream and told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am what? I am with you. I am with you. And no one will attack and harm you. And I love this, this phrase. I underlined it in my Bible. For many people in this city belong to me. And I believe that to be true in this city, in this region. Many people in the city and this region belong to Jesus. It's our turn, it's our role to claim them for Christ. And like I said, unless you are selfish and want to enjoy heaven on your own and by yourself, you will have to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus. The truth that Jesus wants everybody to enjoy. His presence and His love. This city belongs to Jesus. This region belongs to Jesus. Because the truth is, Satan does not own anything. And I've said this before many times. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He didn't want God to get the glory. And that's why he tries to lure people into his kingdom so that less people will be part of the family of God. But for us who know Jesus, we have authority by the power of the Spirit of God to reclaim these people in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? There's no power in hell. There's no power in the air. There's no power here on earth that could overcome the mighty power of God. But like I said to you, you have to use the power that is available to you to claim your city, to claim your friends, to claim your family members for Jesus. I had somebody talk to me um, two weeks ago and said, my, my family is just going through so many tough times. 
I can't, I can't even imagine how, how many of my family members are addicted to substance. And she said, I'm, I'm just about ready to give up. I just pray that sometime in their life they have received Jesus. So that if and when God takes them home, I would still see them in glory, in heaven. told that person, as long as there is life, as long as you are alive, you're not done yet. As long as that person walks this earth, there is hope, there is healing, there is recovery, there is victory in Jesus. And I pray that you would believe that because that's, that's what the Bible teaches us. Many people in this city, regardless of their economic, economic status, regardless of their, their color or race, whatever. Many people in this city belong to God. He's going to use you and me to reclaim these people. Verse 11 says, Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. Because he learned from God himself that there are many people in that city who belonged to God, he stayed. He kept preaching. And what was the result? I mentioned to you a while ago. A church was born in the city of Corinth. Regardless of how problematic that church is or was, if you read through Corinthians, it's problematic. Yet, a church was born there. And every time we open our Bibles, we see the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. They may have been problematic, but because of the problems that they encountered and experienced, we have the word completed. We open our Bibles and we read it and we realize, wow. Regardless of how problematic they are, I'm still learning from their experience in the world. Right? So rely on God for your protection and the result of your work. And here's another thing that I, I love about the story of Paul. Paul, when he was in Corinth, stayed with a couple. The couple's names are Priscilla, the woman, and Aquila, the man. Their job was to make tents. And Paul, his, his side business is to make tents. And so they stayed together. He stayed with that couple for as long as he was in Corinth. Now here's the thing. Paul was passionate about the gospel. He shared the gospel with Priscilla and Aquila. And you know what happened? They were changed by God. And so when God took Priscilla and Aquila and moved them to Ephesus, they became the core group of the church in Ephesus. Are you seeing the point here? Somebody shared the gospel to someone, and somebody shared the gospel to someone, and so on and so forth. You do not know how big your impact could be if you live your life for Jesus. You will never know how this world can change, how lives can be changed if you would follow God and obey your calling in life. Here's a video that I'd like for us to watch about that. Nate became a Christ 
follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. Now is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James. He was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny. Now these two people have never met, and never will. Isn't that a fun story? The point of that video is this. We can claim this city and this region one life at a time. If only his people will be obedient to his word. That's how God is changing the world. One life at a time, he changed the Paul that we know now. And his life impacted so many individuals, and those individuals have come to Christ and impacted the world. In fact, the very reason why you and I are here is because we are results of the faithfulness of the people who were obedient to Christ's command. And so as we move on, this, these are the three things that I'd like for us to learn as we claim the city for Christ. 
First is this, if you want to claim the city for Christ, embrace your church's dream for the city. Embrace the city's dream, I mean the, the church's dream for the city. Another word for, for dream is vision. What is the vision of this church? If you have uh, pen and pe pencil and, and, and paper, you can write this down if you're quick enough, but if you want to take a picture of it, do it. But this is why we exist, this is what we're called to do, and this is our dream. We exist to reach people who are distant from God so they might be made alive and included in Christ. That has always been our calling. That has always been our mission. What are we called to do? To use our influence and our day-to-day -day life. Day-to-day. -to, -day, to reach people in our city and region. Reach them for Christ. Bring them into His kingdom and help them become disciples. What is our dream? This is our dream as a church. We want to see thousands of people come to life in Christ. Not hundreds. Thousand. I told you a while ago, the only thing that would keep this from happening is your disobedience. Our disobedience. But this is our dream. We want to see thousands of people come to Christ, become disciples who will make more disciples. And we dream of planting churches that will impact this region with His love and His power. I remember one week from today, a year ago, one week from today, I stood at that little room where we first gathered as Mosaic Church and I shared the vision for this church. We want to see churches planted all across this region. And I remember talking to some of you who were here during that Sunday morning on April 5, oh, April 6, 2014. We identified some key towns that we, we can plant churches in. We, we mentioned Wainwright. We, may, we mentioned Cold Lake. We mentioned... Vermilion, we mentioned North Battleford. We, we cannot limit God. He can take us to so many different places. In fact, even before we were able to plant a church here in Canada, the Lord has already sent one of us to plant a church in the Philippines. And I was talking to, uh, to one of our leaders here. He was a guitar player, and he felt called by God to join his wife in the Philippines to plant a church. And you know what? Last weekend, they baptized 17 people. Isn't that great? We're planting international churches even before we planted the local ones here. It's amazing how the Lord did that. But embrace the city and embrace the vision that we have for the city. Second is love your city. How do you love your city? Plant your roots deep. We talked about this last series. This is your house. No roots, no fruit, right? And I'd like for us to read this verse, these verses in Jeremiah chapter 24. We know Jeremiah 29, 11, but there's, there are verses before that. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Can I hear an amen? amen. Many grandchildren, some of you who are parents. Uh, multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. The blessings that the city gets, you benefit out of it. Do you agree? So we're called to do this. Plant your roots deep. What we learn from this is first, embrace life in the city. This is God's place for you. Love it, honor it, and, and get your fill out of it. Contribute to the positive growth of the city. Verse 6 tells us that if the Lord does not call you anywhere else, settle down and raise your family. Be good representatives of God's kingdom. Multiply. 
multiply. Here's what's beautiful about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When God created Adam, created Adam and Eve, what did God say to, to them? Be fruitful and multiply. By what? By procreation. But when Jesus was on his way back to heaven, he talked to his disciples. What did he say? Go ye and make disciples of all nations. What does that mean? Go and multiply. Same command. Multiply. Raise more people to life in my name. By what? By new creation. Procreation during the Old Testament, but new creation in the New Testament. It's very interesting how Jesus said in the Gospels, the Gospel, oh, who's that? Connect to the internet. Um, the Gospel tells us that Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people to harvest into my kingdom. But the problem is this. The laborers, the workers are few. There are many people to reap into the kingdom of God. The problem is, a lot of people are lazy. My followers are lazy and, and they don't want to harvest. So ask the Lord of the harvest to bring workers. Ask the Lord of the harvest to... to engulf you with his passion to bring others to Jesus. Verse 7 tells us, and we are encouraged to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Be good citizens in the city because God brought you here for a purpose. Contribute to its growth because the blessings of the city will be a blessing to you. Think of your city as your mission field. And we have a verse here, a verse here in Acts where the, the people of of um, Antioch, who came from different places, just served the Lord. They preached the word and they grew in number. Third, love your city by praying for it. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 says this, I urge you, first of all, to what? Pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and what pleases God our Savior. When you pray for the people around you, it pleases God our Savior. And what does it say about, about the God that we serve? This God wants everyone to what? To be saved. He does not want anyone to go astray. He, as much as he wants, wants to bring people unto himself. So pray for the city. God works powerfully through prayers of his people. Pray for the vision of the church. If you want to go with me on my prayer drive on a Tuesday afternoon, just let me know. I always drive from 4 to 5. If you're available, let me know. But start praying for the people you will be inviting. Start praying for the people that you want to share the gospel with. You see, next weekend is Easter weekend. It's, it's one of the best times to share the gospel with somebody. It's one of the best times to invite people to church. There are only two kinds of people in this world. The Cheesters, Christmas and Easter people. Okay, there's a third kind, which is you. But, but around the city, there are many Cheesters, Christmas and Easter people. Invite them for Christmas, they come. Invite them for Easter, they come. So it's your opportunity to bring these people to Christ. And I, I would like, like to assure you, we'll preach the gospel then. 
and present the gospel and invite them to know Jesus. So bring your friends, all right, next weekend. And we will close with this point. Play the part that God prepared for you. It is very important to play the part that God prepared for you. Romans chapter 1 verse 14 says, and this is Paul again speaking. He said, I am a debtor. I am in great obligation to what? To preach this gospel to the world. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is through it that people are saved. We find here his passion and his purpose in life. I am, I am a debtor. For those of you who are paying off your, 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 your mortgage and your car, your car loan, you are in debt and you are obligated every month to pay for it, right? But here we find a different kind of obligation, a different kind of debt. It's a debt that is driven by passion. Are you passionate about paying your debt? Are you? Hell yes. They just deducted money on for money. You don't want that. But in, in Paul's life, we find that he is happy. Happy. In debt. In debt to everyone he meets. Everybody deserves to know who Jesus is. Why is it important for people to know Jesus? Because Romans chapter, and here's a, here's a verse that I'd like for us to remember. Romans chapter 5 verses 18 to 19 says this. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings the right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because of one person's disobedience, many have become sinners. But because of one person who obeyed God, who is Christ, many will be made righteous. That is the reason why we want to be passionate about Christ, about preaching Him. Because there's nothing that could ever save other people. The rest of the world can never experience salvation apart from Jesus. Well, just keep